We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on an Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Today, I know we're getting closer to the return of the Lakers season. We've had the all-star break going on for just a bit, but I do want to take a minute and stop and look at the big picture today. And in particular, I want to look at what the Lakers have done well, what's gone right this season. And I know, I know there's a lot of you out there right now that are probably saying nothing. What are you talking about? Nothing has gone right. I can even guarantee there's some chuckleheads in the comments section right now that are saying nothing's gone right this season. You're crazy. This season has been awful. It's been a disaster. I understand that emotion. I understand that feeling. Why we would have this frustration with this season for the Los Angeles Lakers. Make no mistake, it has not been a good season. However, however, I think that it's also important that we recognize the things that have gone well in order to not only have an honest assessment of where the team is at right now, but to be better informed moving forward of what this team needs to do. Because isn't it that knee-jerk, I hate everything, get rid of it all, sort of emotion that got the Lakers into this mess in the first place. That's what we saw. We call this an overcorrection, and that's what I'm going to dive into today. Now, typically, I talk about a number of different topics over the course of one show. Today, though, we're going to focus on this one thing because I've got a lot of things to talk about within it, and we're going to touch upon a lot of different players as we do this. So, That's where we're headed for this particular episode. Again, we appreciate your support. If you are listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You guys know, just in case you weren't aware, structure change here in terms of format. Recently, we decided we're going to go five days a week at the very least, bare minimum, Monday through Friday, at least during the regular season, you're going to have a fresh Lakers Nation podcast out Every single morning when you are driving to work or or getting in a workout, whatever it is that you're doing in the morning, there is going to be a fresh Lakers Nation podcast there for you Monday through Friday at the minimum. If we happen to have a game on a Saturday night, cool. That means we're going to do a LakersNation.com postgame show, and that will be out in podcast format 
on Sunday. It just means you get bonus Lakers Nation content. At the minimum, though, there is going to be a fresh podcast out there for you Monday through Fridays. I just want to make sure everybody is aware of that and you are following us on whatever podcast app you happen to use. All right, and of course, if you're watching on YouTube, this will all still wind up on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel as well, if that is your preferred portal to view our our shows and listen to our content. All right, now that we've gotten that out of the way, what I want to talk about is essentially human nature, right? I mean, this this is what we do. We see this in our own personal lives sometimes, where we overcorrect. We take something that we didn't like, and we go so far the other direction that we wind up creating more problems. Typically, when we think of overcorrection, we think of driving a car. Your car starts to drift one way off the road. You jerk the wheel back the other direction. Next thing you know, you have a new problem on your hands because you're going too far the other way. That's the classic overcorrection. But we see this in our personal lives too. How many times have we been in, and I don't know this is some of you out there. I've certainly been in this situation before. You've been in a relationship with somebody. And things just aren't quite working out. And you get out of that relationship. And what do you do? You go and you find the exact opposite of whatever it was that didn't work with that particular person. And sometimes while overlooking the things that did work with that particular person in that relationship. And I think that's kind of what the Lakers have done here. And yes, shout out to Matt the Optimus Peralta for allowing me to use a relationship metaphor while talking about the Lakers. I know, I know, that's his shtick. But in any event, the Lakers kind of did this. So heading out of the championship season, there were a lot of people that said, well, they just won a championship. You don't change anything. At the time, I thought the Lakers made some great moves. I thought that the moves all made sense that they made. And in fact, the Lakers were pegged by most people around the NBA as the team that actually improved the most over that short offseason after winning a championship. They brought in Marc Gasol, brought in Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Wes Matthews, bringing in all of these guys. And there was some sense to it. Now, of course, looking back now, we can say, oh, well, it didn't work because of X, Y, and Z. And oh my gosh, they just kept Danny Green, a 3 and D player. They would have had Danny Green and probably Desmond Bain with that draft pick. My goodness, what that could have been. But remember, at the time, that Schroeder deal was seen as a very smart move by the Lakers. You went and got a 27-year-old point guard that potentially could, could have been with the franchise for years to come. Now, we know now that it didn't work out. But when the trade went down, it made a lot of sense for the Lakers. So heading out of the championship season, there wasn't so much an overreaction. Things were going pretty well. Everything was good. They had just won a championship. And the sense was, let's just, you know, we're not going to sit back and rest on our laurels. That was what Rob Palenka said. But let's make a few tweaks here and there. Let's add a little bit of firepower to this team. And by all accounts, that offseason, they did. Unfortunately, injury struck. And remember, that team was really good when they were healthy. That team was very, very good. In fact, they came out of the gates flying, looked great that season. Injuries struck, and they could just never quite get over it. And this this is where people started to get frustrated. They got frustrated with that team, and then they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs by the Phoenix Suns. That's the point where the Lakers, organizationally, what it felt like was they probably experienced a little bit of what fans did. You mean you got bounced in the first round? You're the reigning defending champions. And you just lost in the first round. This is bad. Things need to change. Fix this. We're angry. We're upset. And what winds up happening is an overcorrection. The Lakers decided 
that the big problems coming out of that Phoenix series, and this is this is true, but the big problem was shooting. They couldn't shoot in the series against the Phoenix Suns. Shooting was a major problem for them. How many times did the Suns just leave the Lakers shooters wide open and dare them to shoot from behind the arc? Kyle Kuzma shot, what, like 19%, I want to say, for the series? KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, shot like 22%. And KCP was the guy, right? The, the floor spacer for the Lakers. And so the Lakers went into the offseason saying, we need two things. We need shooting, and they wanted to still try to fix the problem that they tried to fix with Dennis Schroeder, having somebody that could run the offense when LeBron James was off the floor. So they went into the offseason convinced that this is what they needed to do. And I said all along, don't expect big moves out of the Lakers. Probably what they're going to do is they're going to tinker around the edges, maybe something relatively minor. Maybe they trade like a Kyle Kuzma or something like that bring in a shooter, and that's probably about all we're going to see because so many guys said we were hurt all season. Let's bring this thing back. We feel like we have a championship team. Let's run this back and give this another shot. And I felt like that was probably what was going to happen. That seemed like the the thing that made sense the most in terms of a course of action. Instead, the Lakers said, no, let's let's burn this to the ground. Let's rage trade everybody away. Get rid of everything. And let's focus on finding shooters. I don't care how old they are. Let's find guys who have decent three-point percentages. Okay, so in comes Trevor Ariza. In comes Carmelo Anthony. In comes Wayne Ellington. Obviously, Carmelo Anthony worked out. And we still need to solve this problem with LeBron. Anytime LeBron steps off the floor, our offense just falls to pieces. And it looks bad. It looks terrible. We're so reliant on LeBron and he's getting older. Let's not do that anymore. That sentiment makes sense. But how big of a problem is that? This is where the Lakers overcorrected, right? Not just with the shooting, but they jerked that wheel to the side and they would fly in the other direction and said, Russell Westbrook, that's what we need. We need somebody who can run things when LeBron's off the floor and clearly Russ will be able to do that. Now, has he? Yeah, in some instances he has. I think we can say he's done a better job of it than, than Dennis Schroeder did over the course of the season. There's been ups and downs. But in solving that problem, they also created a whole host of other ones. And again, this is sometimes what we do in our own personal lives with our own relationships and things of that nature. We go so far the other direction that we create new problems accidentally. We do all, the, all of this because we're so frustrated with the problems that we just experienced that we say, no matter what, we have to fix this. We have to, we have to right this wrong. And again, we go a little bit too far. So what the Lakers wound up doing was getting rid of an entire team. And I feel like what they also did here was not stop and look at what did work. What did work with last season's team. And I'm talking about having guys that are in their mid-20s. Guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, like Kyle Kuzma, like Montrezl. Are they perfect players? No. Did they shoot well in the playoffs? No. But what did they provide you? Well, defense. Right, Kyle Kuzma, very switchy perimeter defender. The Lakers turned him into that, asked him to be that. And he could also help you out on the boards. Two areas where the Lakers could certainly use help this season. Catavius Caldwell-Pope, same thing. This is a guy who can fight over screens. This is a guy who can defend on the perimeter. Does he go through cold stretches, shooting the ball from outside? Yes, he does. Can those happen at inopportune times? Absolutely. But you know, he's also night in and night out. He's going to provide hustle. He's going to provide quickness. He's going to defend well on the perimeter. Montrez Harrell, is he a great fit? No, but he's bouncy. He's going to be all over the place. He's going to bring energy. Are those things that can help? Yes. Can he shoot threes? No. Ultimately, the Lakers 
decided that the things that these players brought, and Marcus Gasol should be in the mix as well, in terms of having a big that can shoot from outside. The Lakers also went the other direction on that, bringing back Dwight Howard, bringing, back, uh, bringing in DeAndre Jordan. The Lakers decided that the positives that they had with the team last season were simply not worth hanging on to in this crazy experiment to right the wrongs of last season. But, again, the fatal flaw was not necessarily addressing what went wrong last season and trying to fix those things. Of course you try to fix those things. It was trying to fix those things at the expense of everything that worked. Everything that worked. And again, that sometimes, even relationship-wise, this is what we ignore in our own personal lives. What are the things that work in a particular relationship? And then we don't look for those things in the next one. We just focus on the pieces that didn't work and find the opposite of that. Can that still work out? Sometimes, sure. But like the Lakers showed, when you ignore the things that do work or you try to minimize the importance of those things that do work, it can lead to catastrophe. That's what we've seen this season. So all of that is my long-winded ex explanation of why right now it's important that we look at this Lakers roster, we look at this Lakers team, and we don't just say, that's it, get rid of everything. I hate this season. This has been awful. This season has caused me pain. So get rid of everyone. Burn this to the ground. I know I sound like I'm being dramatic, but that's the sentiment that I've heard from Lakers fans quite a bit this season. And again, it's, it's understandable why people would be upset and frustrated. But it's also important that we look at what has worked. As much as people might want to say, the answer is nothing. Nothing has worked. That simply is not true. Some things have worked. And those things are going to be important that they are recognized and that they are maintained heading into next season. Now, is it as many things that have worked as last season? No. Last season's team had a lot more things that worked than this season's team did. Last season's team looked really good when everybody was healthy. When everybody was healthy, they looked really good. The shooting was a problem, but they found ways to overcome that when they were healthy. This season's team has had a whole host of problems. A lot of them have been on the defensive end. But let's get into it. What has actually worked for this season's Los Angeles Lakers team? And we need to start at the top. We need to start with LeBron James. For as much as people have prophesied the downfall of LeBron, let's face it, LeBron James, if the Lakers were, say, I don't know, the two, two seed, three seed in the Western Conference, right now we would be talking about whether or not LeBron James is the MVP this season. I did a video just the other day where I broke down LeBron's free throw attempts, which have curiously disappeared. He's shooting less free throw attempts this season than at any point in his career. Less free throw attempts per game right now than any season in his career. Despite the Lakers playing at a super fast pace, thus creating more possessions, he's shooting less free throws than ever. Strange, right? And I know most people would just say, oh, well, it's because he's shooting more threes. Eh, no, he's actually attacking the basket more than anyone in the NBA not named Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's right. LeBron James is getting more shots within five feet of the rim than anyone save for Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Giannis is taking 0.2, 0.2 shots per game more than LeBron at the rim. So what I'm saying is that LeBron 
if he was getting some of the whistles that he typically does over the course of his career. And Lakers Nation, you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. He's been getting hit, hammered all season long. How many times have we seen him get hit in the head, get hit in the arms, and he's so strong he doesn't, it doesn't phase him, right? You don't see the impact, and so he doesn't get the calls. That's been a thing this season. If he was, LeBron James right now would be the leading scorer in the NBA on a points-per-game basis. LeBron James has worked. As much as people might want to say LeBron is old, LeBron can't do it anymore, he's 37, he's wearing down. Father time's undefeated. That's true. But LeBron James is still one of the very, very best players in this league. And that's important to recognize moving forward. What are you building around? Are you building around an aging LeBron James where you need somebody else to, to handle the ball all the time? I think this season has answered no. As much as the Lakers were, were desperate to go get another ball handler. Okay, Dennis Schroeder, he's going to be that guy for us. Oh, Schroeder didn't work out. Let's get a higher caliber player. Let's get a former MVP. Let's go get Russell Westbrook. Do you need that? Do you need to be spending 40 plus million, 47 million next season? honor Russell Westbrook because LeBron James can't do that stuff anymore. He can't bear that burden. Say so the answer is no. Now, has he had some injury issues and things like that? Is it smart to have another ball handler on the team? Absolutely. Is it smart to have somebody else that can create? 100%. Absolutely. But is it smart to have that much of your salary locked up in a player that fills that role? Or is it more important that you find other things alongside LeBron James? I think it's the latter. I think the formula is the same as it always has been. It's not rocket science. Surround LeBron James with guys who can do two things, shoot and play defense. That's it. That's it. Surround him with guys that can play defense like crazy and can shoot the basketball. And you're going to be just fine. That's what the Lakers need this season. They know LeBron James is still good. So the overcorrection heading into last season was oh my gosh, let's get somebody to take some of the burden off of LeBron James. What we found out about LeBron this season is he can still bear that burden. He can still be the focal point of your offense. And let's face it, even if you say, hey, LeBron, here's all this help. They're going to do some heavy lifting for you. The ball's going to be in LeBron's hands regardless. If it's Russell Westbrook, if it's John Wall, if it's Dennis Schroeder, whoever, the ball's going to be in LeBron's hands. It doesn't matter who it is because he's LeBron James. So, for next season, the Lakers go in knowing, okay, LeBron can still do this. LeBron can still play at this level. Let's make sure that we don't focus so much on taking the ball out of his hands. Another thing that's worked for the Lakers this season, obviously defense hasn't. Defense hasn't. They found out. They know. Look, Frank Vogel, I don't, I don't think there's any question. Frank Vogel is a good defensive coach. If you ask anybody around the NBA, What's Frank Vogel best at? They're going to say defense. And I know there's a lot of Lakers nation that's frustrated with Frank Vogel over the course of this season because that's what happens. When you have a losing season, the coach takes a lot of heat. That's what happens. And I'm not saying he's not deserving of some of that. There have been times where I've looked at the at the lineup on the floor and I've went, oh my gosh, what what is this? This has no chance of working. Frank Vogel is just praying that they can somehow stay even for however many minutes that this group is on the floor. Part of that's been due to injury. But we also found out that... Frank Vogel alone isn't enough defensively in order to make this team good. That actually, some of the guys they had last season, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, players like that, they made a difference, having some young legs. 
that's been reinforced by a few things that have gone right this season. The older players, for the most part, have not worked out. The older players, if we go down the roster, will say, well, these guys have done it in the NBA over the years, but it didn't really work out for the Lakers this season. And again, this isn't a post-mortem here. We still have a lot of the season to go. But Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, even Dwight has been used sparingly. And maybe you can make an argument he should be used more. DeAndre Jordan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. These are all guys. Kendrick Nunn was an injury issue. But all of these veterans that they brought in that the Lakers thought, okay, okay, Wayne Ellington, hey, this guy can shoot. This guy can shoot. Let's bring him in. We needed shooting. Man, the Suns aren't going to be able to pack the paint now. We're going to put Wayne Ellington out there. Yeah, Wayne Ellington can shoot, but how many other issues did you create? Trevor Reza, okay, this guy's at least, he can keep defenses honest. They need his skill set, but they didn't factor in. The age really caught up to him. And, and, and the injury too. Ariza's skill set was certainly needed. But the bottom line, the bottom line is that it's been the younger players that have gotten it done. And I think that's important heading into next season and beyond. I think the age of LeBron James only makes the younger players that much more important moving forward. Here's what I'm saying. These younger guys that you found, the diamonds in the rough, these have been the true success of the Lakers this season. And maybe this is just another example. Credit to the Lakers scouting department. Haven't they found some players late in drafts? They've found guys. And so you look at guys like, well, I mean, let's start with Stanley Johnson. This guy wasn't in the NBA to begin the season. Didn't have a contract. It's in the G League. What can he do, though? He can defend pretty well on the perimeter. Every once in a while, he can knock in a three. Not as much as you would want, but he can defend really well. He's big. He's got some size for a wing. Guess what tends to work with LeBron James? Guys who hustle, have size, can defend. Great. Diamond in the rough. You've got him next year, too. He's on a contract for next year. Austin Reeves, same idea. Hey, let's put guys who are smart, who can defend, and can shoot a bit from outside. What did Austin, the last thing that we saw Austin Reeves do? knock in a three to put away the Utah Jazz. Now he hasn't been great shooting the basketball. I do, although I do think if you take the half court heaves out of his stat line, it does look a bit better from behind the arc. But the bottom line is again, you get a young player like Austin Reeves. He's now under contract next season. 
he can defend at a high level, shoot from outside, he makes the smart plays, that's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. That's where the Lakers have had success. So again, moving forward for the Lakers, is it about veteran savvy? Is it about let's put the expendables together? Let's get all the guys that were that were great 10 years ago and put them all on a team and it's all going to work out? No, that was a terrible movie. It's about finding the young diamonds in the rough that have enough juice in their legs to get things done for you on both ends of the floor that can fly around, that can execute the defense that Frank Vogel wants. And I'm not anticipating Frank Vogel sticking around next year, but any coach is going to want on the defensive end of the floor. You need guys who can do those things physically. And the young players for the Lakers this season have largely been a revelation. They've been good. Add Malik Monk into the mix. Defensively, is he great? No, but I think he competes. He competes on that on the floor, and then you add in the offensive firepower that he gives you, the shooting that he gives you, the floor spacing he provides. Doesn't that help next to a guy like LeBron James? When you are losing sight of Malik Monk because you're watching LeBron, who's maybe the greatest of all time, and next thing you know, you've got Malik Monk coming at you, a three-level score that's 24 years old, that matters. That matters. Where the Lakers have had success this season, it's their hits with the young players. The older players have largely flopped. Now, Carmelo Anthony is the exception. Carmelo Anthony's been good for the Lakers this season, but for the most part, it's the young players. And I think the Lakers would be remiss if they didn't remember that moving forward. And here's why this is particularly critical. Because if you can get young players, these are the kinds of guys, diamonds in the rough, you can find ways to work them into your system. These guys have the potential to be on your team long past LeBron. Stanley Johnson could be a Laker for another five years. Austin Reeves could be a Laker 10 years, more. These guys could stay long-term. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. We know the way player movement is in this, in this league. But you keep taking shots at these guys, these younger guys that have the athleticism to get things done, and you surround your stars with these kinds of players that can just focus on a very specific role, some of them are going to hit, some of them are going to stick, and you're going to be able to keep long-term. What's the chances that Trevor Ariza is a long-term player? Zero. He's about done. What's the chances that Carmelo Anthony, who's been really good, is a long-term player? Zero. These guys were short-term additions, and they haven't helped as much as the younger players that could potentially, if everything works out contract-wise, be long-term pieces. So again, in terms of what's gone right this season, it's been the Lakers and their ability to uncover talent, young talent. That's important. That's an important skill to have for a front office, for an NBA franchise. So that's something that I think the Lakers can't lose sight of, is how well they've done finding some depth, depth pieces that are younger and it makes you think that this summer, the focus should be on finding guys who can contribute on a night-to-night -night basis, who are still near their prime, and then, and then supplementing that with as many of these young guys that you can get that can have the basic skill set that can be molded in, in the team construct to fit alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, as well as Russell Westbrook, if he's still in the fold next year. We're going to see. It's going to be an eventful summer. Who knows? LeBron might not even. There's a lot that's going to happen this offseason for the Lakers. 
we need to talk about Anthony Davis because here's the thing. Most people would look at AD and they would say he is not in the things that have gone right column. He shouldn't be part of this conversation. In fact, his injuries have been a big part of why the Lakers have struggled so much this season. And that's fair. But there is one thing. There's one thing about Anthony Davis that I think is important. And that is that for a stretch coming out of his last injury and up until essentially this current injury, we saw AD get back to himself. We saw the mid-range jumper start to fall. Now he wasn't like bubble Anthony Davis. He wasn't, we're winning a championship because I'm an MVP caliber player AD, but he wasn't that far off. We saw him at like 90% of his old self. And I think that's important moving forward. Because for as much as we want to gripe about Anthony Davis and his injury history and all the different names that people want to call him, the fact remains that both of his injuries this year have largely been accidental. I've talked about this before. It's not like he was jogging down the floor and his quad muscle just exploded or something. And we just go, oh, he's just injury prone. No, he had a dude fly into his legs and he landed on somebody else's foot. That's, that's bad luck. That's what happens. Now, look, he's got a long injury, his injury history as well. I'm not saying that we don't put the injury-prone label on him, but I think some of it has been overblown this season. The important part, though, is that we did see him get to that level. We know he still has that because there were a lot of questions. Is Anthony Davis still that guy? Can he even be that guy anymore? And we saw 90% of that guy this season. That's important because at some point, at some point, the plan is for this team to become Anthony Davis's. At some point, LeBron James is going to sail off into the sunset. Maybe it's this summer. Maybe he decides he's going to get traded and that changes the whole dynamic. I don't think that's the path we're going to go down. I think LeBron's going to stay next season. The question is, what happens after that? At some point, though, whether it's next year, a year for, two years from now, five years from now, at some point, the plan is for this to be Anthony Davis's team. And you need to know that you can get those 1A performances out of him when need be. Now, it's fair to question whether or not he can truly be that 1A dominant guy that you're going to build your whole franchise around. Fair. But we have seen, in terms of what's gone right with Anthony Davis, we've seen him compete at that level. We've seen the jumper start to fall again. Now, the three-point shot hasn't come along. That's why I say he's at 90% or so. We've seen him making a difference on the defensive end of the floor. We saw him have that bounce again. That was important because, again, we didn't see it all of last season. We barely saw it this season. But just knowing that he's got that level that he can still get to, I think that is also important for the Lakers moving forward and something that has gone right this season. Now, again, remember, you can overcorrect. So if you only go for young players this offseason and you don't have a few older players to help guide the way, think in the past, Jared Dudley, Rajon Rondo, players like that, those guys are important too. But what you don't have want to have is those guys be the backbone of your team and those guys be the guys that you're depending on to produce night in and night out. That was where the Lakers tripped themselves up. So this coming off season, again, I'm not expecting the Lakers to go out there and sign every youngish player that has any little bit of talent and hope they can mold that into something. No, you still need a few veterans to kind of show them the way. But the important thing is that it's younger legs that can do the heavier lifting in terms of, hey, I need somebody to fly across the floor and go cover this guy out of a pick and roll. I need somebody that can tag the roll man and make the impact that we need on that end of the floor. You're probably going to be turning to a younger player to do things like that. And so it's important that you've got those guys on the roster. That was largely neglected 
coming out of last summer. And the Lakers, they've kind of found their way during the middle of the season, and they got young guys like Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson was brought in midway through the season. They got these guys to start do st doing stuff for them. And even Taylor Horton Tucker, as the season's gone on, again, he's coming off a thumb surgery, but he has gotten better at doing the little things on the defensive end of the floor as well. So I think it's important that they do have a good mix of the young players and a few veterans to kind of show the way next season. Again, don't overcorrect and go for all young players. You can create some problems that way, but if you have a mix of the young players with some veterans, then you can have a team that can truly do some things around LeBron James. And again, the focal point, defense, threes. Find guys who could do those two things, you're going to be in good shape. Now, the last thing I want to talk about here in terms of things that have gone right, maybe this is a little bit sappy. It's all of you. It's all of you out there listening, all of you out there watching. It's been a frustrating season for the Lakers. There's no question. We had high expectations coming in. They were expected to be the team that was going to come out of the Western Conference and contend for a championship this year. We had visions of number 18 hanging in the rafters. And again, the season's not over. We still have a ways to go. Who knows? Maybe they go on some crazy improbable run and they wind up hoisting that thing. It's not looking likely. It's not looking likely. But as frustrated as fans have become, over the course of the season, I've had a lot of fans say, that's it, I'm out. That's it, I'm out, I'm, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. And look, I understand. I understand, right? Not everybody is going to be as, as determined to follow this team as a lot of you are, as I am, right? A lot of you, a lot of people aren't. And that's okay. People, people make fun of other fans all the time by, by calling them casuals as though that is some derogatory statement. No, if, ca if casual fans didn't exist, say goodbye to your team, say goodbye to your league. You have to have casual fans because frankly, not everybody can be as hyper-focused on a particular team as some people are, as I am. But in any event, the fact that there's a lot of Lakers fans that still care, that are still paying attention, that are still here, still watching, even though it's tough, even though it's difficult, well, that right there, that's something. That's something that's gone right. And I, again, I know there's been a lot of fans that have said, that's it, I'm done, I'm, I'm turning this thing off. And I don't fault them. I don't fault them. It's not easy. To turn that on every night when you know most nights, for every game, the thrilling comeback win against the Jazz that you get, there's going to be 10 more games where you're getting a gut punch when you watch that game. Because they're going to co combust. Things will, they'll implode upon themselves. And you wind up just feeling bad after a losing night. And then you come over here to the post-game show and we, and we talk all about it. We break it all down. And hopefully by the end of that, we've been able to vent and feel a little bit better. But Lakers fans are nothing if not resilient. And I'm talking about these, the core group of Lakers fans that are out there. And, you know, around the NBA, Lakers fans can get a bad rap. But I think that's just because the Lakers fan group is so large and so diverse. Of course, there's going to be all different kinds of Lakers fans. And again, I don't I don't fault casual fans at all. I've got nothing against casual fans. But you're going to have fans who maybe don't know every single player on the team, don't know all their names, don't know exactly when games are on, just know some nationally televised games, things of that nature. And that's okay. There's going to be other fans who know every single game exactly when they play. You're planning your schedule around them. You're watching every single day. You're wearing your Lakers gear, all of that. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The point is, though, that Lakers fans, to varying degrees, have stayed strong. And this has been a difficult season. This has been a difficult season, but there's been a lot of Lakers fans who have stuck it out. And I see it in the numbers on our shows. I see it in the numbers that we see on, on YouTube, on, uh, on all of our podcasts, and, and everything else. There's Lakers fans that, through and through, are sticking it out. Are staying with it, staying the course. And understanding that as difficult as it is, it's still something that we're going to get through together. And that's what Lakers Nation is all about. So in terms of what's gone right, it's not ideal. It's not what you want to put your fan base through. But in some ways, it's nice to see how many people are still standing. How many people are still supporting this team. Let's face it. We've seen tough times. We've seen it. Not as much as other fans. I mean, I, know I sound I sound terrible to like if you're a Kings fan and you're hearing me say that right now, you're probably rolling your eyes super hard and probably throwing a few swear words at me at the same time. I'm not saying Lakers fans have, ha- have had it as bad as some other teams, but the Lakers have gone through some difficult times. Think about, think about how long we were just praying that Brandon Ingram is this is going to he's going to be the next star in the NBA and lead us out of this. Okay, Lonzo Ball, he's going to be the next star. Maybe okay, D'Angelo Russell, this is going to work. Julius Randle, whoever. There've been times where Lakers nation has been hoping that the Lakers would lose to increase their draft lottery odds. That's been a thing. And it wasn't all that long ago. Then they win a championship. And now, and I've had a lot of people tell me this, this season has been worse than the rebuilding years. This season has been more difficult than the rebuilding years has. Because the expectation was so high during the rebuilding years, it was, okay, well, you know what? If they don't win, they don't win. We're not expecting them to win. Let's just focus on the kids and can the kids get better? Okay, you get the lowered expectations. This season, though, we came in assuming the Lakers were going to win a championship or at least be in the running. They were going to be one of the top teams. And that's not what you got. Instead, every time you got your hopes up, you got knocked back down. And yet here you are. Still standing. Still here. Sure, maybe we're a little emotionally beaten and bruised. Right? We're feeling it. But we're here. I think that is something that has to be mentioned as a thing that's gone right for the Lakers this season. Because there have been a lot of people that have proven that they will stick it out through tough times. Not every team in every sport can say that. There's football fans, obviously, that live and die with their teams. But 
not every sport can say that, where their fans will stick it out through even tough times. And so I think that's something that's gone right. It's gone right. Although I will say, I sure hope that next season, it doesn't have to go right again. And we're not asked to stick it out through another tough season next season. All right, Lakers Nation. I wanted to make sure that we address this, that we looked at what's gone right because of how important it's going to be for building moving forward. And even for the home stretch of the season that we take notice of not just what's been bad about this team, but what has gone well, because I think we did not, the franchise did not, the organization did not put enough stock into what went right from last year's team. And that has largely created a number of the problems that they've had this year. Instead, they were so focused on what did not go right last year that they inadvertently created a whole host of new problems this season. Important that we take this time, recognize what's gone right, and you don't do things that are going to erase what has gone right. Instead, you take those things, you learn from them, and you find ways next season to capitalize on them to an even further degree. All right, everybody, appreciate everybody for listening and for watching. If you're on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, make sure you do subscribe to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on notifications as well. If you're over on the podcast side, make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you guys want to follow me, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.